I would do it all over again. I, I don't know that I, I don't think I could do it all over again. I look back on what I did and I thought, how did I do that? Had I not taken care of them or shown up, um, I would have missed out on so much. Mostly the healing the relationship I have with my mom. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator, a caregiver support group leader, and the author of two books for caregivers. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even chuckle and share a laugh or two. And we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. Oh, no, can't forget the wine. And I won't forget beer for me either. Holy water, as we say. (laughs) You know, seven years as a caregiver, and um, I've been a writer my whole life. I wrote my first story when I was about eight years old and continue writing right up until today. And during the time I was a caregiver, I heard a number of people that I was interacting with say, why doesn't somebody write a book that tells what it's really like? I thought, well, I can do that. I can do that. I wrote a book called Confessions of an Imperfect Caregiver. It reads like a novel, but if you, in this book, you get to know me, you get to know Mike, and you get to know his father. It, it is real. It's raw. Um, I say things that maybe other caregivers wouldn't say because they can't say it. And you put it all in there, the good, the bad, and the times when we were not so pretty and kind of <laughs> ugly because yeah. you wanted it to be real. I actually asked Mike's permission if I could, I I was fine being the imperfect caregiver because there's no way of doing it perfectly. And, you know, I struggled and didn't know what I was doing and did creative problem solving uh, on the run. And there were times when both of us were less than spectacular. So I asked his permission, you know, can I put it in there when you were not at your best and Absolutely. If it's going to be real, it's got to be real. And Um, it's not always butterflies, um, uh, unicorns, and uh, what's the glitter? Was it ever? (laughs) I mean, I mean, come on. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, you you see me do some great things and you see me do some embarrassing things. And and anyway, it's very raw and it's very real. And it's one of the reasons why we love Suzanne having not known her for very long. She believes that caregivers are warriors, fearless, courageous, and passionate about protecting those that they care for. And she's the founder of Caregiver Warrior. She was blessed with the opportunity to care for her parents and ventured out on caregiving journey that would change her life. She blogs about this journey on her website, caregiverwarrior.com, and shares her experience, strength, and hope with others so that they may survive caregiving with grace and empowerment. We are very pleased to welcome the caregiver warrior, Suzanne White. Um, Suzanne, welcome. And I have to say, I survived caregiving, but I don't know if there was much grace in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just proved to me that there was a lot of grace because you're willing to tell the truth about it and be vulnerable about it and that's grace that's that's great to me then i I will accept that (laughs) 
<laughs> please, please, because I know your story and your journey, and and I think you have a lot of grace, and I think, and you're empowered, and I think you're sharing that uh, with a lot of people. She's all right. I mean, you know, <laughs> she's all right. Uh-huh. No, she's wonderful. <laughs> you're. Now you sound like your dad. Um, I would, you know, I left my corporate job to take care of his father, and Mike had that what he calls pesky day job to support us. And I would be with him at his doctor's appointments, and quite often the doctors would say to my my father-in-law, Mr. Carducci, you're you're very fortunate. Your your daughter-in-law takes good care of you, and he'd say. She's okay. She cooks. She cleans. My son does everything. <laughs> oh, oh, that's hysterical! Wow. But you, but you know, Susan, Suzanne, is it Susan or Suzanne? Suzanne. It's Suzanne, but as that saying goes, just don't call me. Don't call me late for dinner. I'm uh-huh. fine with anything. <laughs> It's all about the food. <laughs> you know, we, we talked a little bit about my dad, but let's talk about your dad. And in, in researching, I mean, this guy was a World War II bombardier pilot. And so I can't yeah. imagine. And, and he. Isn't that funny? Now, as you're saying that to me. I'm starting to fill up already. You know what I mean? Just having, you know, having that reflected back to me, which is, you know, that, you know, how we are with those we love, you know? Yes. My dad, uh, my dad was, well, my dad was it, an amazing in, guy. In that effect, that generation and that ilk, the greatest generation of World War II uh, warriors, speaking of warriors, they mm-hmm. really didn't ask for help or acknowledge the need for help. And your story is that he actually did, right? Could you tell us a little yeah, about that? Yeah, he was he was ab- absolutely, and you're so right about that because that whole job. I mean, my dad flew over D Day like four times, like he was 22. I mean, I think about what I was doing when I was 22. You know, I think back on it now. You know, um, he's passed, so you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh. So yeah, he he was, but he was a very unusual guy. Uh, my mom was the um, uh, the steel the steel <laughs> pants. <laughs> she was the one that didn't want the help. My dad was the one um, who actually was you know kind enough and wonderful enough to really let me know how much he appreciated me um, and what I was doing for both of them. And I remember he actually gave me, um, and he was a t- you know tall guy. He gave me the best. I still can see it right this moment as I was going leaving one day. He gave me the best hug ever and said, you are so special. We are so lucky to have you. Thank you for everything. And I still have that memory in my mind. You know what I mean? So um, that was so lovely. My mom was kind of a different story. But yeah, he was the stoic World War II bombardier pilot um, who had to be taken off a plane when they flew down to Florida because he was so sick. And that's what started right. the whole thing for me because we were shocked because um, he, he was basically had caregiver burnout and had other physical issues. Because he was sort of taking care of my mom, and they were hiding it from us for a while. So yeah, it was a bit of a shock, kind of. Although it wasn't, but you know, you know, guys know. It was sort of a shock to see him so depleted, and that's when I said, "Hey, do you need do you need help?" And that's <laughs> and I was off and running. <laughs> um, you you said something that sparked something in me that that moment when you got that wonderful hug, and he let you know how much he appreciated you. Um, with Mike's dad, he would 
he was very extremely resistant. He used to tell the doctors, you know, don't worry about me. She's crazy. She worries too much and um, would hide symptoms. And only because I watched him 24-7 that I, I could tell when he was in pain or I could tell when he was not feeling well. Right. I had this insight into him. And you feel so unappreciated. And, um, and then we had this special moment on an Easter Sunday when we sat down to dinner um, in this very room. And he looked around and he saw that picture that's, that's, that's behind me in, in the meal that I had prepared. And he said, I never thought I would live in a house like this. I grew up on a farm in Italy. Um, everything is beautiful. The meal is beautiful. Thank you. And there wasn't a dry eye at the table. And that's one of the moments that, that we live with now, that, that we so appreciate. Yes. And the odd moment when he'd yes. say, well, she's my best friend. Without her, I'd be a goner. So all those other times, there were so many more of those when it was, you know, my son does everything, or, yeah, she's okay, she cooks and cleans, <laughs> mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. she's holding mm -hmm. me prisoner, or she's starving me to death. Those things I can let go <laughs> of, you know, they're still in there, but what really resonates with me is those moments of clarity when he realized that I was his best friend. Right. And, and they know, I mean, they really do know. I mean, my mom, so that brings to my mind, you know, my mom <laughs> stood in her kitchen and said, go back to New York. I don't need your help. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, so, but, you know, on her, you know, dying bed, she said to me, I said, you know, she said, how did I get so sick? And I said, oh, mommy, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, it, it just happened. And, you know, she said, I said, I, I'm so sorry. And she said, oh, don't you be sorry. You have all your life done so many wonderful things for me, which is like, I like wanted to hear that all my life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, cause she was, cause she was just really hard on me and we did not get along and she could be mean as cat poop, <laughs> as we say in my family. And so it is those moments, but I don't remember the bad moments right. anymore. You know, and I think that's the peace and the empowerment of the caregiving. What I remember is those wonderful moments with her and my relationship with her and how it healed. You know, um, even though it was, and I know you guys know, even though it was like, you know, walking on glass so much of the time in bare feet, um, that's, that's the joy and the peace of the caregiving for me, is that those healing those relationships and having those well, precious the, moments. The notes that Mike has put down is caregiving is a gift. And I have to tell you, one of the things that I often tell people when I'm doing a presentation or speaking is it was a gift I didn't know I wanted. <laughs> and I, right. I saw that when I was researching, I saw that you said that. And I thought there, there's yeah. your connection right there because Bobby always says that. Uh, it's a gift I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. And you so often point out that the caregiving that you did was also a gift. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would do it all over again. I, I don't know that I, I don't think I could do it all over again. I look back on what I did and I thought, right. how did I do that? You know, but um, I uh, absolutely, I mean, had I not taken care of them or shown up, um, I would have missed out on so much. 
mostly the healing the relationship I mm-hmm. have with my mom. I mean, um, I got to see her as the person she was, you know, and not and get rid of a lot of old baggage. I I became a better me because she wasn't going to change. I had to. So I grew as a person exponentially. I mean, I grew so much uh, taking care of her. And then my relationship with my dad, I mean, we got to know each other um, in a completely different way. You know, I mean, I got to know, he got to know me and I I got to know him. um, And the time with him was so precious, you know? So the gift was the time and the relationship I had with him. Um, Just astounding. You... um mentioned about the the gift of of caregiving you said they your dad and mom came and got off the plane and that's when you realized so you did this long distance well what i did it long distance in that we were both on the east coast and they were in south jersey and i i'm in new york um so not uh, we not in florida we usually flew them to florida um to my sister's house for the holidays and um, I was following them, and I and one one holiday season, I got a call from my mom and said, "We just took Daddy off of, off the plane, and he's in urgent care right now." And I was like, "What?" So, in my time down there during the holidays, is when I said to my dad, "You know, you seem to be really having struggling and, and need help with mom. Do you want me to help you?" And he said, "Yes." So when we took them back to South Jersey, um, I began caregiving a long distance. In that, I would work all week. And then go down either Friday or Saturday morning and stay with them on the weekend if, uh, for, you know, over over five years, uh, four years, four to five years. And, and um, I would go back and forth all the time. So I'd be constantly in the car and then staying with them and then keeping my full-time job. Yeah, it wasn't I was going to say, what you do in your spare time? <laughs> well, it's... it's <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> No vacation and, for four And, years. you know, you said you look back and you think, how did I, how was I able to do that? And, you know, I hear young folks say, oh, I don't know how I would be able to deal with kids or, or a second child. And it's not something that you, um, if, if you wait till you know you can do it, you're never going to have kids. If you wait till you know you can be a caregiver, you're never going to be that caregiver. Um, it's something that's, you do um, baptism absolutely. under fire and you just figure it out because it's never the same. Absolutely. So you certainly have a way with words, Miss Suzanne. My head needed to wear new shoes. Oh. <laughs> yes. Yes. That, that's one of my blogs. Well, the point being that, you know, perhaps it wasn't the best thing to do at the time, but I needed it. <laughs> you know, so the point that I'm making, especially in blogs like that, is like, you know, sometimes... And, uh, you know, we all know as caregivers, you just have to do the goofy thing. You know, we can't, I think the thing that's, that a lot of people who begin caregiving, there's this, there's this rule book, <laughs> you know, that there's perfect way to do it or the right way to do it or, and it's not, you just do it. You just jump in, you show up and then you figure it out. And sometimes you need a new pair of shoes, even though you don't need them, um, and I, I think that that was really my journey in that I just, you know, because I'm a control freak and because I'm this personality, I was going to do it all myself. I was going to do it all at once and I was all going to do it perfectly. You know, and I hit a wall. I mean, I, 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 I got burnt out. So I had to rethink the whole thing. And I promised myself I would make sure I told everybody, but every other caregiver I'd ever find in my life uh, what happened to me and the mistakes I made. 
And, you know, if you got to do something goofy or you have to do something that is going to make you feel better, it doesn't matter what right. anybody else thinks about it. It's what you think about it. You know, your, your opinion is the opinion you need to go with. I'm not saying you don't talk to people like you as professionals or, or get, you know, other people to chime in. But if you need to do something, make yourself feel better, do it. I put that down there because I knew Bobby would cling on to that because she's a shoe diva. Oh, I have so, I have a marvelous oh, shoe collection, oh. absolutely. Um, so I knew I knew you were <laughs> that would be like a kindred spirit there, um, but she used. So you understand though that metaphor, right, Bonnie? And you know it's like, you know, we don't necessarily need the new shoes, but man, they make us feel exactly. good for a while, you know. <laughs> so why not? Why not? You know, who are we trying to please? You know, absolutely. And there, there's so much giving to other people at that point that you begin to feel diminished. And if it's something as simple as a new pair of shoes that recharges you, you know, caregiving or taking care of yourself looks very different for caregivers than it does than what people think it does. And it can be getting that new pair of shoes. It can be getting that bestseller that you don't think you can afford. And, you know, so you can escape in a different mm -hmm. world. It can be crying in the shower. <laughs> or that nice long bubble bath with a book. <laughs> oh, yeah. that sounds nice. <laughs> or Absolutely. screaming uh, in the car. On a friend. Oh, I had a friend of mine who was a, took care of her dad, and she would just get on the highway <laughs> and just put the, make sure the windows are up and just scream. From, well, like, I have friends like that level. that just you do know, it and, and uh, you know, wave to other drivers in a certain way. <laughs> 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 and I tell people, go out on your deck or your yes. porch and, and, and scream or, you know, go in the bathroom and, and, and scream or, or cry. I spent so much time crying and praying in that time. And, you know, that's another way of taking care of yourself. But it's it's typically not spending a day at the spa or, you know, going to the movies because you're, you're involved in caregiving. Right. But tell us no. about worries. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Right. Well, I was going right. to bring up one of the things that I thought was hilarious and related to was when we bought the candy at Easter time for my dad. And he says, oh, this is not sugar free because he was always sugar free this and and diet that. Uh, you know, I, no, it's OK. You can go ahead. And what stuck with me was your I let mommy cookies, ice cream, bologna and Pepsi because as you said, with the shoes, it was good for your head. That was good for her head. And that is so wonderful because let them have that, that time, that thing that makes yeah. them happy. You can't put a price tag. Yeah, ab absolutely. You can't put a price tag on that. And at that point in my mom's life, I mean, I did get her to switch from, <laughs> I finally got her, well, she didn't, I got her to switch from Pepsi regular to Pepsi zero. That was a big deal, and her sugar numbers did go down. But, I mean, at that point in her life, you know, she, that's the only thing she wanted to eat was her childhood mm -hmm. food, you know, Lebanon bologna, and we're from South Jersey, and, you know, and butter cookies. I would buy tins of butter cookies, you know, and they would be gone, like, boom. And so what? You know, I mean, it gave her joy, um, and it wasn't hurting her. And, like, who cares? You know, it, 
it it gave her it made her feel better and it made me feel better because i saw that she was eating there's nutrition in those things certainly more nutrition than not eating it's yes that's the that's the point they're not eating i mean my mom did stop eating my my dad died um july 7th uh at 7 a.m and my mom died seven weeks later of, a, of what I think sure. was a broken heart, but towards the end, she, you know, she she refused to eat. I mean, shortly after he passed, she stopped eating. So, you know, she just had no desire, no matter what I brought her or what. So, you know, believe me, I would have given anything if she ate some cookies and some Pepsi and some <laughs> Lebanon bologna. It all well, sounds I, good to me. I remember when your dad was here for a visit with, and my dad was still with us. And uh, what was it, about three o'clock? They sat down at the table yes. and had boost and ensure, and it was like cocktail hour for the old guys. <laughs> they they sat there and they talked about World War Two and you know and and, and things that interested me back then. Um, but it was also interesting in that, like Mike said, his dad was living here and my dad came to visit, and um, his dad was quite open about reminding my dad that he was only visiting. <laughs> 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 ah. Oh, what a wonderful personality, you know, and it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's so great to have those big personalities. My mom was a big personality, you know, I mean, some of the things that she did and said towards the end, which, I mean, we would take her into a restaurant and I mean, she would just trash the food, trash the music, trash the waitress, <laughs> you know, and thank goodness we had wonderful little places we went that loved us so much, you know, and she was just something else. And they would get the biggest kick out of her. But then on the other hand, she could be so kind to strangers, you know. Um, I mean, she was very, she was a very kind person, but just had this personality, you know. And we just, and when I was a kid or younger, it just drove me crazy. As her caregiver, I started to see it as just something to, to experience and you enjoy, know, you know. So the way that um, some of them, including Mike's dad, we're so brutally honest. I mean, if somebody came in the door and gained weight, he would make sure that he he mentioned it. And he was he was talking to some visitors one day, and he started talking about the most beautiful girl he had ever seen, and teasing him. I said, "Oh, are you talking about me?" And he said, "Oh no, uh, you're good looking, but you're not that good looking." <laughs> Oops. <laughs> God bless. And it's those moments, you know, I mean, this, and we're laughing and it's so nice, you know, and, and I hear my parents laughing, you know, I mean, I feel like they're with me all the time. And, you know, I was just thinking the other day about how my mom, my mom and dad both had great senses of humor, you know, and, you know, I was so caught up on my childhood angst a lot of the time that I, I couldn't enjoy that. And I can really see it now. And we had a lot of laugh out loud moments um, and, and laughter really helped me deal with her, you know, get her in the shower or get her to the doctors or, you know, cause she really didn't want to do anything. And she was really tough. I mean, she really fought me, but laughter really helped, you know, really, if we could laugh about something or think something was silly, um, it would just ease everything, you know, everything mm-hmm. would get easier. It's a great tool. Speaking of easing and and say managing anxiety and stress of, of being a caregiver, are there any tips that you can put forth that worked for you? Because we all know what works for one doesn't work for another, but w- what works today doesn't necessarily work 
tomorrow. But if we gather this whole menu. Well, I, I tend, I'm, I'm anxious. So I tend, I'm aware. My mom was a worrier and she passed it down to me. So I get, I get anxious. <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I deal with anxiety and taking care of my parents. You know, there's always this underlying worry that f- I feel it's like a river that flows under, under us all the time. What's going to happen? Are they going to die? Am I doing the wrong thing? Am I not good enough? So one of the rules or tips for me is to listen, my self-awareness, and to listen to my inner dialogue. I really have to plug into the roommate in my head, <laughs> you know, that's talking to me and try to figure out what I'm saying to myself because I can get myself down a rabbit hole really quickly. So the tool for me is just to sort of soothe myself and say, okay, you know, the conversation should go something like this. It's okay. You get like this. This is how you get. You're going to survive this. You always have, you know, sort of put this conversation in my head to sort of calm myself down, take a deep breath. You're going to be okay. And this is just what's happening right now. So that's one of the tools that really helped me. Um, you know, and it, and, and to know that the anxiety or you're going to be scared. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be anxious. It's normal. It's not something, it doesn't make you a bad caregiver. It doesn't make you a bad person. It just makes you an anxious person. So, you know, you have to do everything you can to soothe yourself and just give yourself a break around it. Every, everybody, we all get scared, you know? I not often, me. I often tell caregivers, you know, there's all this is about how to deal with caregiver guilt or how to avoid caregiver guilt. And what I tell people is you're going to feel guilty because you're going to make mistakes and you're going to wish you hadn't said that or done that or had done something. Yeah. Recognize that you're going to feel guilty, wallow in it for 10 minutes and tell yourself you're going to do better next time and move on. And when you're talking about anxiety, you... my husband knows exactly what you're talking about because I am that person also. Mm-hmm. And so many times while mm-hmm. caring for Mike's dad, I thought, I'm failing. I'm, you know, why didn't I see this coming? Why didn't I get to the doctor faster? I I thought I was a better person than this. All of those feelings. And like you said, that's why I do what I do now. And that's why I so much appreciate you. Now, tell me where you you landed on the word warrior. Because people who do brave things in battle, it's not that they don't feel scared and it's not that they're not worried. They just do it anyway. Well, that's exactly the point. And you put you hit the nail right on the head because I think caregivers are warriors. Uh, you know, I think that they're and our battlegrounds are the healthcare system and and conditions and new problems and hospitals. I mean we fight a battle every day and I think caregivers are warriors because yes, it's exactly what it is. We're confronted with very scary things and we move ahead anyway. And I just think that anyone who signs up um, or enlists, so to speak, um, you know, are, you know, they go to war and they, they do everything they can to protect those they care for. You know, my dad was a warrior, you know, so and I know a lot of people who serve, you know, they, they do they do that. They enlist because they want to make things better and they want people to be safe. And I think that that I think caregivers are warriors. They do. They I love that you use the term enlist to be a caregiver. Yeah. Or, or or you're drafted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, both oh, of drafted. them are, are, are applicable, right? Both. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I think I was thinking about this the other night. 
I think that um, caregivers have a chip. <laughs> you know, they're born with a chip, you know, like their default factory <laughs> setting has a chip in it <laughs> that makes them caregivers. You know, do you know what I mean? I mean, the people who sign up, even the ones that sign, who are drafted, like, and they're, that sign up because they, you know, they don't really want to, you know, they're like, I don't really love this person, but I have to do it. You know, there's this thing inside that makes them know that they're going to sign up for it or feel the need to be a caregiver or care for someone. And I think you're born with it. And I think the people that show up are, are born with that need to care for people. Cause you don't look, you don't see caregivers like throw the, how often do you see a caregiver like, you know, put up the white flag and say, I quit. I'm not going to do this anymore. Like they, they're committed, you know? And if, and I think people that show up have a little chip inside that says, I am going to care about someone else and serve them. Um, and whether they're drafted or they enlist, bam, they do it. And it's amazing. You know, they're, they're very ordinary people doing really extraordinary things. Right. I love that phrase because I think caregivers are miracle workers. You know, just by showing up, you don't have to do anything. You just show up. And I think they, I think caregivers need a lot of credit just for showing up because a lot of people don't. You know, that description you just put out there perfectly describes my husband. Not only caring for his father, but... Marrying a, a divorced woman with four kids who's nine years older than you are. Uh, Cougar. <laughs> and, and, you know, here we are loving each other and laughing with each other 33 years later. Um, if you wow. weren't that kind of person, that never would have happened. And, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned about the anxiety. And uh, I come from a long line of warriors. I guess I was maybe 22. Two, 23 years old and I read a book by Dale Carnegie and everybody knows how to win friends and, uh, and influence people but he wrote another book that was called Stop Worrying and Start Living and his premise was if you can control it fix it if you can't control it there's no point in worrying about it and so I don't have a lot of that anxiety and worry that right is so prevalent in my family, not just my mom, but generations and generations and side generations. Uh, but that was a decision that I made. And I don't know if people can make that decision on their own like I did, but um, you know, I certainly recognize in Bobby and her family the anxiety and our, our daughter very, very much so. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of a complicated. Some of it's physical, I think, and some of it's gender. I think that, yes, I, I think a lot of it, I think a lot of it is chemical. And I think someday we'll find, you know, we'll find a little answer to that. But I also think that the commitment to not worry is really wonderful. So it's kind of like why I love the serenity prayer, you know, God grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom right to know the difference, you know, that's probably one of the best written poems ever. Um, I think the commitment, I think if you, if you try to commit to not worry um, or be kind to yourself, you know, I, I think that's a power tool. I, I think so often, I, I think when people, for me, when I get anxious or I would worry about something or something would go wrong, you know, and I would take it to the next step and say, because I was doing something wrong, or I made a mistake, I was wrong or I was a mistake. And I think 
you know, it's really important to sort of uh, work with that and sort of commit to, hey, I'm scared right now. Um, and that's okay. Uh, let's try to let's try to be kind to ourselves while we're in it. And as Nabobi said, like, let it go, like, worry for 10 minutes, which is a great tool, by the way. And then sort of try to move ourselves gently through it, you know. So I think your ability to, you know, to really, you know, fend off worry is a commitment to that. And I think, um, and to yourself, and I think that's where the key is. Maybe that's right. what I'm trying to say. The key is, you know, like, we have to allow ourselves to be anxious, um, you know, but just know we can survive it and it doesn't make us a bad person or a bad it caregiver. It absolutely doesn't make a caregiver a bad person. The only caregivers yeah. that are bad people are the abusers. The people that are right. there out of the goodness of their heart and doing the right thing, they're wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people. They're warriors. And I love it. And I'm so glad Absolutely. that you came on our show because I think by defining caregivers as warriors and explaining it the way that you have today is going to lift caregivers up in a way that they didn't realize. Well, they're going to hear what, what your message is and say, hey, that's me. And I'm doing it. Yes. Uh, and that that would thrill me no end because I... I, you know, believe, I believe that in my heart, I would love that. Cause you know, I, I silent epidemic out there, which is caregivers. I mean, they're, you know, they, they, they're, they're silently doing their job and they don't realize, you know, how important it is, how they're making a difference and changing the world. They're changing yeah. the world, you know? Um, and it's just an extraordinary, extraordinary superpower. You know, I, I did a, anyway, I saw a mug and it said, you know, I'm a caregiver. What's I, your superpower? And I we said, have a shirt that says that. Have you seen that, Mom? Well, I'm a family caregiver. What's your superpower? <laughs> and, you know, I've often put out there in various places, whether it be um, here or in a presentation or on my blog, that we are an army of millions doing it alone one day at a time. Wow. Very powerful because that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yes. And, you know, you know. Um, Suzanne, this has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. I'm so glad we had you on. Just your your enthusiasm and oh, we shared some too. laughs and laughter, like I said at the beginning. It's always good. It's good medicine. And I can't thank you enough for being on. And we are going to. Oh, and I we are going to. I can't thank you guys enough for what you do because you're getting the word out, you know, and you're saving a caregiver, you know, one caregiver right. at a time. So it's amazing work. And we're going to put know? links to the Caregiver Warrior on the Roger That website so people listening to the episode can get back uh, in touch with you. I appreciate uh, one it. One click. Okay. Thank you, dear. One of my takeaways was um, talking to your inner roommate. <laughs> Yes. And convincing yourself that you can survive this and uh, it's going to be okay. I think I'm, I'm going to be talking to, to that roommate more often. Because of me? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's because of you, baby. <laughs> um, one of the things that I wrote down first off was a new phrase that I love that I'm going to add to my vocabulary and is, that I never heard before. Mean is cat poop. <laughs> I never <laughs> I never heard that and I love it. Yeah. Uh it was it was so nice talking to her her enthusiasm and her mm -hmm. ju her just 
joy for living and joy for life is just so infectious. I feel good. Yeah, she glows. <laughs> yes, she does. You can find more information about Suzanne and caregiverwarrior.com on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That. I'm Bobby. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. That's missinglink.company.